All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. your entry it's terrible oh god i got entranced by the music it was loud in here today and i'm like man this sounds good whoa dude were you just recording that nonsense yes hey welcome to bull bear radio it's your host don schreiber and matt schreiber well now you're the host why not yeah and i'll i'll be the guy that's in the know so okay great i uh, I didn't say any bad curse words or anything, did I there? Because I got really, really excited for a second. And, and we've got, uh, we're live studio audience here too. So if you heard some laughing, we had a couple of, uh, you know, of our friends here today on, on the set. So we must look funny. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of fun stuff this past week, Don. I mean, you've been all over the place. You've been on CNBC the last couple of weeks on Squawk Alley. Squawk we- on the alley. Squawk Alley, man. It's oh, a show, alley. not oh, Squawk oh, on oh. the Alley or in the Alley. I mean, it's the name of the show. Come on, man. And uh, we did a, a, a tweet chat. Anybody ever ever been on, on a tweet chat before? Uh, I never even heard of a tweet well, chat Well, I, I, I just found out about this thing, and I happened to be on a tweet chat last week. And that's where you go and... Um, man, I'm digging on those chrome hearts you got on. You, you, you do? Well, thanks, man. But... Um, you know, that's you go on to like uh, in, in a thing and people are tweeting like constantly. It's like a text message. It's a Twitter war. That's it, what it is. It's a Twitter. war. I like it. If, a Twitter war. That's what it is. Yeah. I think we won the war yesterday. So, right. uh, well, yeah, we good. did. We, it was a little Reuters knowledge, on retirement. So knowledge is power. If you want to see some of the answers, uh, go to my uh, Twitter, WBI president. And uh, go to my Twitter handle there, and, and you get to see some of uh, that that fast and furious tweeting action. Is that is that what we call it these days? Twittering, tweeting. It, it's tweeting. Tw- is it tweeting? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just starting to get this social media you thing might be down. A twit, you know, but it's tweeting. Okay. Well, um, that's that's nice. Let's not let's not call people names. So anyway, let's get right down to the the good stuff here, dude. Where's my GDP? Where's my GDP? Hey, good news. Chainsaw Don. Wait a second. Chainsaw Don doesn't necessarily bring us good news. So where's the the good news here, Chainsaw Don? Hey, listen. Good news is Q2 of 2017, GDP perked up a bit. We had a three plus percent GDP number, which uh, President Trump has been, you know, indicating would be uh, at least 3% for the third quarter uh, GDP number if we hadn't had the hurricanes. I didn't believe him, but, you know, he may be right because I happened to do some analysis with our Cracker Jack analyst team who put together the numbers for GDP. For is, that this. A, or is that a thing? We, do we call them the Cracker Jacks? No, we actually call them the Power Pack. They are so powerful. It's a power pack. Hmm. Ooh. You know, why, well, 
Well, maybe we should tweet about that. We might. So listen, let's get back to GDP. So in uh, the, the annualized growth rate for Q2 of 17 over Q2 of 16 for consumer spending was 4.88%, which is almost two percentage points better than the run rate, gro- you know, the growth rate that we have been getting, which is just above 3% during this recovery, right? Typically, consumer spending rocks at about 5.5% during a recovery. Right now, based on the 2000 um, through 2007 time frame, which included a recession in a bear market, that included that, we're still 35% below where we were during that eight years for this eight years hmm. in consumer spending. So we're really not doing all that great. And I think, and, I, and why is that? I think I figured it out. You why. figured it out. I think I did. Now, did you figure this out, or did the the, the, power the cracker check power yeah. pack, you know, figure Listen, this out? I mean, here's what the deal. I don't is. even know what you're talking about. You know, the unemployment. So tell tell us what the deal is here. The unemployment statistics, cracker jacks, are hiding the fact we've got this low unemployment rate. Everybody gets all excited. The Fed two weeks ago said that they were clueless as to why the inflation rate wasn't picking and up. And then they were guessing. And this last week, Janet Yellen said she's guessing that inflation's going to rise sometimes next year. Jeez, you know what? I, I, I'm going to start guessing, you know, when it comes to my job here at WBI. Hey, listen, and, I've got to really I'd, I'd love to it, see how that works out with the boss. I, hey, listen, you know, oh, I got to tell you what, you know, the most powerful banker in the world is guessing, right? Yes. I got a great guess for you. So how would you I'm feel guessing that every American should be really worried because Janet Yellen, who's the chairman of the Fed, is guessing. Hey. And last week, the week before that, she was clueless. So uh, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. When people got jobs post the financial crisis, an awful lot of people lost high-paying jobs And they took any job they could find, and they ended up with dramatically lower income. And their consumption ability was drastically cut. Now, this this is a true story. I've I've met so many people who, especially in our community, the financial services community, you know, um, had high-paying jobs. Yeah. And now they're doing something that doesn't even utilize their their vast skill set, where they made lots of money previously. Now they make a little, relatively speaking. You bet. They, they A lot of them have two jobs, maybe three jobs, just to pay the mortgage. They aren't the consumers that they were before the financial crisis. They just don't have the income level. That's what's wrong with the unemployment statistics, that's why we don't have high consumption. They have a and job, that's, that's, and, and it's not—it's not the right job. This is why inflation isn't going up because people aren't spending more. If they had more money, if they had the right job, they'd spend more, and we'd actually right. have inflation. And so, what we need is we need higher-paying jobs. We need more growth. That's what we need. We need more growth. More growth we're gonna, is we're, more power. I'm going to talk about it. It's a path to prosperity for the American people. A path. To prosperity. So what gets, you know, the the economy to lift off? Well, listen, I can tell you one thing that also looks good. So in this it in, in Q2 of 17, again, the annualized year over year growth rate to 216, Q216, 6.91 percent increase 
in business investment. Now, that's why? Good. That's really that's good. That's really right? good. That's above trend. Typically, you get about five and a half to six percent business spending. This is above trend. And the big thing is, is in 2016, over 2015, business investment actually collapsed. The problem that we have also with no inflation and the low GDP numbers, why the economy's not growing, is we don't have enough productivity. The thing that drives productivity is business investment that causes innovation. And since we've had a constrained business investment, one of the other things company has done is they've thrown away the prior good earnings recovery that we had. Now we're in a recurring earnings recovery again, and they're continuing to use a lot of their earning capacity instead of reinvesting in the business so that we get a productivity increase. They're throwing the money away as if they're taking it out in the backyard and pouring gasoline on it. They're using it to buy back stock at the highest prices, the most overvalued prices and market level in history. That's not going to work out good. That is a really bad investment decision. So, Don, corporations, they've got $3 trillion sitting offshore, Ireland, wherever it may be. Could that be what gets the you know, economy to lift off? You so know? We, have, we have a capitalist economy. The economy does better when there's more capital that is broadly invested in capital formation, and that usually comes through companies. Wait a second. This is a— Through companies. Did you just say this is a capitalist country? Capitalist country. So you need capital, right? And right. The, and there's $3 trillion sitting offshore— that's been trapped in non-productive, low-interest or negative-interest-bearing accounts. And and by the way, the government Can you imagine the government doesn't get a nickel uh, of of tax dollars on that money, do they? They don't, and that's why the money's sitting offshore. So, so why because the wouldn't you want to bring that back at a lower tax rate, even if you didn't lower corporate tax rates? Give them a tax holiday on the three trillion bucks. Bring it back. I agree, but what we need. Is we need a, a two-step focus. One is let's get that three trillion dollars invested in That's the step economy. Step one. Step one. Step one. Step two. Let's cut tax rates so that the incentive to keep money offshore and not pay tax goes on away. It goes away, and so companies continually reinvest in themselves. The other thing that I this think sounds, is really this bad This sounds policy. simple. This isn't rocket science. Hey, listen, this sounds simple to me. You know, I think. That shareholders. Hey, can you guys take some pictures since we have an audience in here? Because I think we should just stop the show and pose for the cameras for a second. Oh, oh, no, no, no. We better get back to work here because we don't want to lose listeners, right? So, Don, what were you saying again? Two step so, process here. So, that's a two step process. Two step process. And I think at the same time, we should really address in the corporate boardroom this idea of stock buybacks which is nothing more than financial engineering to make. It's just jiggering with supply and demand. You're not getting anything. What you do is when you buy back stock, you're increasing earnings per share. Earnings per you share. You have less shares. Even so your earnings are spread across fewer shares and you look like a hero. But it's an accounting trick. Tricks are for Smoke kids. And tricks, mirrors. tricks are for kids. It is not truth. We need truth. So, hey, listen, in the corporate boardroom, 
We need to put some pressure on these stock buybacks. Justify to me how you could be buying back well, your stock at the most overvalued well, price in history. Re, why, why can't we return that cash also to shareholders as well through dividends? If you want to return the cash, then return it to me in an increased stream of dividends, which I can use then to either reinvest in or, shares or buy, of the company. Or buy the stocks of my choosing. Buy the stocks of my choosing, or even better for the baby boom generation, which we are going to talk about in a little bit later segment. Yeah, how do you get ready, ready for retirement? We're how going to talk do about you that. fund retirement? More and higher dividend rates. Cash is cash is king, and cash flow in retirement is king. So we're going to come back in just a second, talk a little bit more about retirement with Chainsaw Don here, and uh, we'll see you in just a second. Thanks. Do you need income? WBI's retirement income strategy focuses on keeping investors' capital base intact in order to grow and provide income leading to and in retirement. The strategy combines dividend-paying stocks with high-quality corporate or high-yield bonds. Learn more at WBIinvestments.com. WBI's retirement income strategy is one of six separately managed accounts currently offered by WBI. Other strategies may have different results. Any investment involves risk, including the possibility of loss. Please listen to important information at the end of this podcast. And we're back. So, Don, dude, we were talking a little bit about GDP. Where's the rest of my GDP, by the way? I mean, we only talked about a couple of components. So, so where's? tell me what, what, what's going on with government spending, man. You know, we talked a little bit about the consumer. What, what's going on? And, and businesses spending. You know, what's going on with the government? So typically, coming out of a recession, government spending for infrastructure broadly supports a very long-term economic boost. It happened with Reaganomics. We had both tax policy and infrastructure policy that was positive, and it unleashed the economy's potential and broadly distributed the benefits of the economy across all of working Americans. You know, one of the big problems, a big populist uh, uprising in the United States about oh, wealthy people. Wait, wait a second. Hold the phone. No, you hold the phone. Because, you know, I think it would be a fantastic idea if we, you know, just paid everybody uh, a fair minimum annual income across the board. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, that's that's been floating out there. So, you, you know, you so we have we have a lot of uh, <clears throat> dysfunction because of Fed policy. Fed policy was used, you know, this quantitative easing and zero interest rate policy was used to save the economy and the financial system from a depression it was good policy. It's a quick fix tool. It tends to influence consumption get people spending well we've had this wealth effect spending and these huge bubbles asset bubbles created you know the feds keeps looking for inflation all you have to look at the dow jones industrial average hitting twenty three thousand, and you can see where the inflation is it's in asset, asset prices. prices so we've got lots of inflation in asset prices unfortunately that benefit is not broadly distributed across middle America. It's usually distributed to those who have the largest asset bases, which is the wealthier side. And you'd have to own those particular indexes for you to get that rise. 
And that may not necessarily be the, the best thing as we, we've covered. So listen, the uh, monetary policy we know isn't working. Remember, Fed Chair Yellen admitted that she was that the Fed was clueless and that they're guessing. Don, they're guessing. Let's get off it for now. All right. Come all right. on, man. They're clueless. They're guessing. It's a bad thing. There's th- it was three and a half trillion dollars of taxpayer money that ended up on the Fed balance sheet. Okay, okay. Now what are, you, what, what, are you trying to, what are you trying to point here to, Don? So listen, when we did cap when we did this quantitative easing, the Fed got money from the Treasury. The Treasury is funded by the the, the uh, taxpayer, you and me, and everybody else in America. And they've got this capital that's sitting on their balance sheet. And, you know, that capital didn't do anything except for lower interest rates. Just sitting there. It lowered interest rates. They used it to buy mortgages and to buy treasury bonds to lower interest rates. And that was part of the bond boom and bubble that we have. That influenced the stock market to go higher. So they'd have to sell but those the capital, bonds. But the capital is sitting trapped on the Fed balance sheet. So they'd sheet. have to sell the bonds. And then where are you recommending they put the money? That capital never made it into the economy, never made it to capital formation. And guess what? That $3.5 trillion is part of our $20 trillion deficit. And one of the ideas that we have floated in writing in articles and and, and to uh, uh, the political community. Is anybody out there listening? Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. Wait a second. So Use that $3.5 trillion of capital to help drive infrastructure spending. It doesn't inflate the deficit, but it will get the economy growing at a rate that we have not seen. This is going to be a huge boosting factor. It'll provide companies across America so we could put the, the ability to pay workers so more. So we could put the economy We're, on turbo boosters. You bet. And they're going to be higher quality, higher paying jobs available that have not been available post-crisis because the economy hasn't been growing so enough. So the $3.5 trillion that the Fed has on the balance sheet that was lowering interest rates could be sold and put into infrastructure spending that would Boost economic activity. We need to repurpose that those that cash that's sitting there. It's like a dead asset. It's not doing anything. It's dead it's to choking us. Choking the Fed. You know, there is an interest cost to that. And that is weighing on economic growth potential. It does consume the government's revenue, tax revenue, to pay interest costs. We need to offset that interest cost and the slow growth with an economic turbocharges you said and if you pair that with the three trillion dollars in capital that we could repatriate we're talking about six to six and a half trillion dollars to get the economy rolling like it has never rolled before turbochargers turbochargers so we got to clear the balance sheet baby that's that's step number clear the decks get ready for economic battle let's go yeah i i love it so let's talk about retirement. Let's switch gears for a second here. We've been talking a lot about the economy. There are more and more people in America marching towards retirement every single day. Do you hear them all marching? There's, you bet. And, the and baby so boomers that are... want to retire but can't. What, can, what should uh, folks who are you know, marching towards retirement do to get ready for their retirement? So the baby boom investor 
on average, is the wealthiest investor the U.S. has ever seen, on average. Their capital was compromised. They lost a lot of capital in the last two bear markets. They cannot afford to lose any more capital if this overpriced, overblown, overly optimistic investment environment should turn. So I they talk can't to, I talk to afford to lose it. I talk to advisors every day, right? You bet. And and I hear resoundingly from nearly every advisor that I talk to that their clients are not that satisfied with a uh, five, six, seven, eight percent return these days over you know a one year period. Do you remember after the two thousand eight, two thousand nine bear market, we had every advisor and every client coming to WBI because we didn't go down much in two thousand eight, early two thousand nine, and their clients were saying, "I don't care about the return. If I get like five percent, this is true. I would be ecstatic. I would be delighted. Yes, yes. yes. But now, now, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, for the last year, or investors so, have lost their mind. Well, once they, again, they want they want the up 14, 15, the, 16 at the S and P chase up. that return, baby. So, so we we've covered this a little bit before. If you're going for the 14, 15, 16 percent. What kind of risk do you take to your capital right now? If you had a million dollars, what should you expect if this At market cracks? At least 50% to the downside. Well, that wouldn't be good, right? It would be horrible. How many times during an investor's so lifetime should, should they take a 50% loss, Matt? I Never. Never. The math of markets don't support 50% losses. You have got to curtail losses to about 20% or less to let the bull market returns really work in your favor in terms of compounding. We're in a low interest rate environment. It's harder to put together retirement portfolios than it ever has been before. Yields on bonds have collapsed. Yields on equities have collapsed, not because companies are prices paying went less, up. Not because they're paying less in dividends. They keep raising dividends. But prices are going up faster than the dividend hikes are. Now, we take some of that $3 trillion, we get that repatriated back in. I bet you see a lot of companies that have a good, consistent dividend policy do something magical, which is dramatically increase their dividends. Because the baby boom generation needs to focus on those stocks that have a yield that will support the kind of withdrawal rate that they need in retirement, which is not 2% or sub 2%. It's 3, 4, 5%. Yeah, well, you talk about dividends. Markets have given investors historically about a 10% average annual rate of return, but 43%, 43% of that return comes so, from the dividend. 4.4% of the 10% return, about on average, has come from dividends. So that's a big number. We don't have 4.4%. Average dividend yield. The S and P dividend yield is under two. So, by the way, here's another quick example. If you had a hundred dollars invested in the S and P 500 since 1972, a thousand dollars. I mean, a hundred dollars invested in the S and P 500 went to twenty six hundred and twenty eight dollars through the end of last year. So, a hundred bucks to twenty six hundred bucks. Yes, not too shabby. 
But if you invest, and that's with companies that cut their dividend, their dividend stayed the same, don't pay a dividend, their dividend grew, so on and so forth. Uh, companies that run the gamut. But if you invested in companies that grew their dividends from 1972 to 2016, the you just focused on those just companies. Just those dividend growers. That are dividend growers, okay. $100 went to $6,973. So the S&P was at 2628 Almost three times the money. That's right. Almost three times the money. So you talk about dividends. Dividend power. Dividends compounding have, power. Dividends have got your back if you're an investor. And right now, you know, people are focused hey, that's on why the S&P WBI, 500. That's why WBI buys dividend Well, well WBI stands for We Beat Indexes, right? Oh, no. It stands for Wealth Building Investments. Wealth the Builders, Inc. The original name of the company was Wealth Builders, Inc. And we have Wealth Building Investments, and, and that's what we, we try to focus hey, the on. Best way, the, the best way baby boomers can protect their retirement is take some risk off. They can't afford to take a big downside. So now people want, listen, people want the upside right now. They're crazy. They're running like lem lemmings over the edge of the cliff and piling into the most overpriced stock market those, in history. All those poor little lemmings. Lemmings. Chain, chainsaw Don, man. The, the hey. lemmings just ran off the cliff. Thanks for that, man. Hey, we're, we care about people. Well, we do we care. We want to help them. We do. We're going to tell them the whole truth. This whole idea about passive and low cost is setting investors up because it's only talking about how well they've done in the last nine years or so, almost nine years, since the markets turned around in the bull market. No one ever talks about the passive index declines that happened in 08 and 09. The S&P 500, this shiny thing that everybody's chasing right now because it's up 16% this year and it's been the best performing index over the last five because growth stocks, you know, Amazon, Netflix, the, the fang trade is in vogue, Right. They're chasing that. Like, that's the thing that's going to solve their problem. Well, that well, was down 57% from the high in 2007 through the low in 2009. Well, I 57%. The fangs just might actually bite those little lemmings sooner rather than later. They probably will. The, you know, somebody's going to start bleeding soon. So, let's talk that's about this. That's our concern. Uh, yes. So, let's talk about this for a second. Social Security. I mean, people, you know... You've got your, your capital, which can provide some cash flow. Social Security, should people, you know, count on that as a, a piece of uh, their retirement? Or, you know, talk to me, Don, about Social Security well, you know, for a second here I, and I how think, that factors in. I think, you know, the, the, the key is you better be able to count on your own resources because we all know Social Security has a little funding problem. Yeah, and the trustees of the Social Security trust funds project this was just in their their annual report that the two social security trust funds will be will be depleted by 2034 2034 that's only 17 years yes so if i was starting retirement right now at age 65 and i lived to age 6 you 82 will, you would run out of social security based on the trustees projections in 17 years that's a really bad thing 
Yes. So I have to be even more careful so you with my capital. Fund. You should be careful with your capital. Yeah. Avoid large losses. That's that's the biggest thing. Save more and be very careful. You can't afford to chase return. You can't afford to. Hey, listen, everybody wants the highest return possible. But, you know, few people have not only the emotional but the financial tolerance to take big losses. I don't like big losses. I can't tolerate them. I won't take them because I know that the math doesn't support it. Hey, Matt, let's talk about what WBI's approach has been for the last 25 years for retired investors. Well, just well, a little bit. What's our approach? Hey, you know, I've got and a, how's it different? You know, what? I, I'm not going to worry about, you know, saving the money. And I got a contingency plan. What's that? Well, you know, I, I'm just going to move in with my parents. What? Oh, sorry, Don. Sorry, Don. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you sometimes you got to plan for contingencies. You better move in with your kids. Yeah, your parents aren't going to be there when you retire. Well, well, that that too. So I'll just plan on moving in with the kids. Okay, so so what was your question here again, Don? I got so a little I, sidetracked. I was so listen. I was trying to plan for my contingency my contingency plan here. So WBI has been managing retirement income investments, and let's just talk about what our objectives are and the way we go about this because it's unique. Right. It's been really successful, both in good and bad so, markets. So do you use a bucket strategy? No, we don't use buckets. You got to be really careful that your buckets not leaking empty. Yeah. You don't. you know, <laughs> leaky buckets, bro, leaky buckets, empty buckets, depleting, you know, money running out of those buckets because the return's not. <laughs> so there. so a bucket, sometimes the math doesn't work with these. So bucket a bucket strategy right? is where you set aside three to five years of income withdrawal needs so let's say a, a client you know, needed cash bucket you have a from, cash bucket yeah, from one, their, one one year or two years from their cash. portfolio let's assume that they needed you know a five percent income withdrawal from their portfolio uh in addition to uh, social security and whatever pension that they might have so they need five grand a month at sixty thousand a year so a short-term three-year cash bucket would be 180000 So on a million-dollar portfolio, that's 18% of the money that sits in cash, earning today virtually nothing. So what inv advisors have done is they go for it on the other portion of the assets. They actually have to invest more aggressively because otherwise they can't make up enough return for the client to continue throughout retirement to not only take the 5000 a month, but to keep pace with inflation, even low inflation of 2 or 3%. And, and what, is, where this doesn't work is is when you go through a bear market. That's right. Because in a, in a bull market, yeah, you're you're generating some, some nice return in the more aggressive buckets. But in a bear market, it's like a, a waterfall of money cascading down the buckets to get back down to that cash bucket and you have to, into the client's pocket, sure, right? You have to you have to uh, replace uh, the money that you're taking out for income at least at the end of every year. And a bear market typically lasts more than 12 months. Yeah, you don't want to go and chasing so the, waterfalls, by the way. <laughs> you don't want to. You, you might go over Niagara Falls. That's going to leave a mark. Yeah. So buckets don't tend not to work as well because there's a huge drag on performance for the cash and about every six years on average bear markets roll into town of 40% or greater 
and they destroy the portfolio's ability as you systematic withdrawals systematic withdrawals turn during into the bear market liquidation yes compounded liquidation of assets don't go chasing waterfalls baby and you run out of capital long before social security is likely to run out that's right. If you were to retire today. So WBI does it a little bit differently. So focus on don't lose the money first, right? Yep. So, Or try not to lose the money our, anyway. Our, our goal is to take less loss. Less loss. About down 10 in a bear market cycle. That's our goal. About okay. down 10. So we're going to limit the loss really dramatically. So we're not going to enforce any significant drain on assets. And when the market's for up, compounded the liquidation. S&P's up 16%, you know. The other thing that uh, we do. You're going to get all the return on the upside, right? That's that's this whole strategy here, right? No, no, no. Maximize the upside returns and don't lose the money. Get all the upside and none of the downside. That's how this wor- this strategy works, right? No, no, no. That's, In that, retirement. That's how that's how you win, right? That That's a, a level of insanity that we deal with every day. People want all the up and none of the down. And they don't care what you're invested in. In fact, to make this work, so we're going to reduce the downside, we use a uh, goal-setting and, and a very dynamic proprietary stop-loss system to protect that capital. Move to cash when the opportunity is... It's not there. It's not there to grow, but it's huge... Or if prices are to falling. ...to lose assets, right, right? Right, right, So we don't want to lose the assets. The other thing we do is we have a very balanced approach. We're going to use bonds, fixed income investments. For cash flow, right? For cash flow. Makes because sense. the best way to support withdrawals is cash flow. Is cash flow. And we're going to buy higher dividend paying stocks. But there's a problem with bonds, though. Why you don't invest solely in bonds, correct? Yeah, they will not help you keep pace with inflation. And that's over critical long term. But dividends will. So dividends actually will grow faster if they keep up with the uh, rate of growth that companies have been able to provide, they grow faster than inflation. And so if you have half the portfolio, as an example, invested in high dividend paying stocks and the other half in bonds, fixed income, to juice your current cash flow, the stock portion of the portfolio will grow at dividend fast enough to offset the fact that bonds are not giving you any inflation protection. It also helps you a little bit in a down market cycle because bonds and stocks typically don't go down at the same time, except for in the last two bear markets. They were both down. In 2000, the market cracked because interest rates were rising and bonds were taking it in the throat. Treasuries were down like 20. And in 2008, again, treasuries were down a lot. Not because interest rates were rising, as a matter of fact, but because we had a liquidity crunch, and treasuries typically are very liquid. And so people were selling those, and they went down. But the fact of the matter is is that you've got to protect your capital no matter what you're invested in, which is what WBI does. And over long periods of time, our goal is to be able to increase income, give investors a down market loss profile, of 10%, this is what we hope to do, give them 10% or less so that they can be comfortable, not happy, comfortable down 10 or so in a bear market cycle that's down 40 or 50. By doing so, we preserve the purchasing power, right, to be able to go back when stocks are cheap and we buy low. So protect your capital. 
Try and buy low, sell high on, on the stock side. Collect income to support. From dividends. From dividends and interest. And, fr- and from, from bonds. Right. So that during a bear market, the majority of that income that you're taking is supported by the income from your bond or your stock and, portfolio. And you're trying to put the money to work when it's advantageous to do so. When it's not, that's when you're protecting ca- you know, capital, right? Yep. We've, been okay. do- we, we've, we've had a, a, a really good results with this over the years. So, you know, it's a uh, tried and true methodology. We think it's going to work in the next cycle that's coming. So, Don, thank you so much for some of these great tidbits here today. And, and it, I, I really enjoyed the discussion on, you know, how to supercharge, turbocharge economic growth here in the United States with, uh, you know, $3 trillion almost on corporate balance sheets abroad. And then, you know, the Fed, I mean, th- what a mind-blowing way to get that much-needed infrastructure spending that, that our country needs with this dilapidated infrastructure. Hey, the thing that stands in the way is have, so. we haven't had a budget in eight years passed by Congress because of the political dysfunction. We're going to need Congress to get their act together and actually work on behalf of the American people to get these things accomplished, both the tax rep- uh, re- repatriation. Um, potential uh, tax cuts. Potential tax cuts. The corporate tax cuts are very important, uh, not so much the personal, right? That's where everybody's having an argument. We don't care. That's not important to the growth. It's it's really economy. corporate tax cuts. It's the corporate tax cuts, the tax rep- repatriation, and using the Fed's balance sheet. Let's recycle taxpayer capital and get it Ooh. invested into Go the green, economic man. engine. Go baby. green. You bet. Recycle that cash. WBI green. Yep. All right. So if you want to follow uh, Don, he's at WBI CEO on Twitter. He's on LinkedIn. I'm at WBI president. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can check out uh, the company here uh, at WBI investments on uh, Twitter. You can check us out on LinkedIn. You can check out our website, WBIinvestments.com. So anyway, we plugged all that. We'll see you next time here on Bull Bear Radio. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all the time and there's always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or from any other investment professional. To the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or the professional advisor of your choosing. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information pertaining to WBI's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in WBI's disclosure statement in Part 2A of Form 80B, a copy of which is available upon request. The WBI Dynamic Trailing Stop is not a stop-loss order or stop limit 
or replaced with a brokerage firm, but an internal process for monitoring price movements. While the DTS may be used to initiate WBI's process for selling a security, it does not assure that a particular execution price will be received. WBI's retirement income strategy was incepted on June 30, 1993.